Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, let's go there this morning, and uh, we'll pray over the word as we do. We're starting at verse 11. Father, we welcome you to just uh, breathe upon your word this morning. We welcome your Holy Spirit to bring special emphasis to the portions that we need to hear about this morning. We welcome you to open up the spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, in and upon our hearts this morning that we would receive of you that, that the logos, that the written word would become a living, a rhema, that it would become rich to us. We welcome that. We welcome that. Holy Spirit, quicken your word to us. We agree that the unclean and, and uh, the carnal the old creation uh, is put to death, silenced, done away with, overthrown in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, Hebrews 10, we're talking about the priesthood of Jesus uh, and uh, how his priesthood has eclipsed the, the Mosaic uh, priesthood. And uh, all of Hebrews is kind of set in that context. Uh, this was written around AD 64, and, and the context of the material uh, is him encouraging Jewish believers now, Jews who have become believers, Jews who've given their hearts to the Lord. They've recognized Yeshua, Jesus, to be the Christ. Uh, he's encouraging them not to go back. He's exhorting them that what they've found is better and uh, that, that what is uh, now uh, exploding before them and exploding upon them is the, glorious, the, the glory of God that's made available through Jesus. So it's, uh, you know, it's a powerful book. How many of you have been reading it on your own? Well, we've been reading. How many of you have been reading? So some of you. Uh, it's kind of deep, isn't it? I mean, he says more in about half a chapter than most of us say in a month. You know, I mean, this... Just uh, you know, breaking this down, and so we're we're trying to get, uh, we're trying to find the nuance and trying to find what it is the Holy Spirit would bring emphasis to as we go through this, um, so that we can continue on as well. And uh, so let's pick it up at verse eleven. We'll read that together. Jump into what he's saying today in Hebrews chapter ten, and he's talking about the Mosaic system the system under Moses. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he awaits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Verse 14, for one for by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Anybody getting made holy in the building today? Anybody, uh, anybody in the process? For by one, verse 14, I'm going to read it again. We're going to come back to that a little bit. For by one sacrifice he is made perfect. Do you feel perfect? Anybody feel perfect in the building today? Anybody feel perfect? For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Going on. 
the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. He's going to quote out of Jeremiah 31. And uh, he does this several times as he's going through writing to the Hebrew believers. He pulls nuggets out of the Old Testament and brings them into his writings. And he says, this is what's happened. This is what's been fulfilled. This is what's transpired. And so here again, he's doing that. He's pulling out of Jeremiah 31. And there's some other passages where this is what the Lord was saying. As the, as the Holy Spirit was looking forward through the prophets, so as they were writing, Jeremiah was the prophet of the Old Testament. As they were writing, then the Holy Spirit was also giving them vision about the time that we live in now. And not only the time that we live in now, because we're Gentiles. Most of us are Gentiles. However, uh, I could be from the lost tribe of Israel, one of the lost tribes. Anybody from a lost tribe? Some of us could be. All right. So, uh, but nonetheless, most of us, we know ourselves as Gentiles, non-Jews. And so as, he's, as, he, as we think about this, we've entered into something that, that the fullness of Israel hasn't, hasn't entered into yet but that God's working out and that we will see them enter into as they're grafted back in. And uh, here's what he says. The Holy Spirit testifies about this. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. I grabbed this out of the, the Greek interlinear uh, Bible, the Greek interlinear Bible, because uh, I was curious about this mind thing, write them on their minds. And so I was curious about that. So the words out of the Greek interlinear Bible uh, are, are, are exactly this. Upon their comprehension, I shall be inscribing. That's kind of cool. So uh, we know that if you, that, that the Holy Spirit bears witness to stuff, to truth in our spirit, and uh, the mind the soul is how we perceive or discern. Or, so the soul is mind, will, emotions, reasoning, and imagination. It's how we discern things, how we discern what's happening. It's how we perceive or discern that the Holy Spirit's saying something or that the witness of Jesus is saying something. And so this is, this is how the Lord talks to us, right? The Lord talks to us, and this is where life comes to. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says that the mind set upon the Spirit is life and peace, but the mind set upon the carnal nature is death. And, uh, and I like to think, if you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 6, by the way, if you look at that, uh, it's going to be S, the mind set on the Spirit. It's going to be uh, a large S. It's going to be a capital S. So the translators have chosen, for instance, in that verse, to use a capital S for the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Uh, but, but I kind of hold to the idea that it's probably a small s. It's probably your spirit, the reborn spirit, the regenerated spirit. If your mind is set on what the Spirit is saying, what the Lord's saying in the Spirit, what you're hearing in your spirit, man, what the witness of Jesus is in your spirit, man, now, we could argue that the two are one, that the large S would be, the Holy Spirit would be synonymous with the small s, your spirit, if you're born of the Spirit. We could argue that. Does that make sense? But he says this is how he 
This is how He leads us. This is how He writes or inscribes on our heart uh, His will, His desire, what He's leading us to do, uh, and, and even instruction and correction. Anybody received instruction or correction from the Lord? Then He adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Their sins and lawless acts, uh, the, the Greek out of that interlinear Bible, just for fun, is their misses and iniquities. Uh, the, you know, the word for sin is harmatia, and it means to miss the mark. The picture, is, uh, the, the picture is shooting an arrow at a target and barely missing. And, and here the Lord is saying that even when you barely miss, uh, even when you barely miss, uh, he won't remember that against you. He, he's not keeping track of that. Uh, that. That as you continue to hide yourself in Jesus and you allow yourself to be washed by Jesus, that He's not keeping track of that. And by the way, all of this is tied together with what He said earlier, uh, which is really powerful, and it gives us a lot of assurance. Right? This is, this is the hope we have in the gospel that's an anchor to our soul chapter 6, 19, which gives us this huge assurance that we're right with God all the time. Kind of fun to be right with God all the time. Like when I go to bed, I'm right with God. When I wake up, I'm right with God. In the middle of the day, I'm right with God. When I have a miss, I'm still not connected from God. Is that all right? Why? Why? Because... Because He already has presented me perfect, us who are being completed or sanctified. Let me, let me tell you what the Greek said back there on that one. This is uh, verse 14. For by one sacrifice He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Here's what the Greek says on that. He has matured into finality the ones being holyized. Probably why we don't read the transliteration of the actual Greek. Uh, he has matured into finality the ones being holy eyes. Now, the word here is sanctification. It's, it's, uh, it's where we get, you know, the doctrines of sanctification is that, that when we're covered by the Lord and He is presenting us righteous before the Father because we have accepted Him as the fullness of sacrifice, the fullness of salvation, the fullness of redemption, the fullness of righteousness, His righteousness covers our unrighteousness, then when, when, when we have come to Him that way, then He also is able to wash us with the witness of His laws that He's inscribing in our heart. And so He's washing us. Anybody ever get washed? Uh, Ephesians 5 says he washes us with the water of his word. That doesn't mean just the logos uh, of the word, but he washes us with the water of his word to our hearts. He wants to wash crud out of our hearts. Wrong thinking, sinful thinking, missing the mark. Yeah, you pulled the arrow a little to the right. A little, you, missed the, you missed the mark on that one. So it's, it's interesting. It's not, to our, it, it's, it's not to our benefit to miss the mark. How many of you know that? Any archers in here? Anybody um, in archery? So, so you actually you actually know that, that there's target practice, but then there's also 
hunting, game hunting, right? Uh, so there could be some, some beneficial reason uh, to, to being good with the bow and arrow, yeah? So some of the gentlemen in our church have actually brought home their buck or their elk through the proficiency of their firing. And so the, the picture is that life is the most beneficial when we hit the mark. That's where life is the most beneficial. That's where life is the most rewarding, right? Life is the most rewarding when we hit the mark. And so that's part of, part of what we want to see here is that, that our misses, our iniquity, our sin, our failure, it's a blessing that we can get washed. Because it's better to be washed, that is, receive word, cleansing, correction, insight. It's better because now our aim will be adjusted and now we will be hitting the mark in life and living. And how much better is life when we hit the mark in life and living? Yes? I mean, that's what we want, yes? And so that, that word being holyized, uh, being made holy, um, it's an interesting thing. Is this okay that we talk about this? Uh, it's like... Uh, we're, we're all on a timeline, and so we're keeping clocks and calendars, but God's not on a timeline, so He can rush to the end, and uh, He can present something finished at the end while we're still over here in 2018. You follow what I'm saying? So this is, uh, this is Isaiah 46, by the way. Remember the former things, those things of long ago, Isaiah 46, 9. I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. By the way, that's part of why we value, we honor prophecy in our midst, right? Because it's making known the end from the beginning. Why? Who can do that? Who could make known the end from the beginning? Only Father, right? So Father is able to make known the end from the beginning. He sees the end. So this is, what, this is the crazy thing that the Lord has done is that when you come to Jesus and you accept Him as your sacrifice, as your salvation, as the satisfaction of Him who's been presented before Father on your behalf to pay your debt, then Father rushes all the way to the end and counts you as perfect already. And then He works backwards from there, washing you as you go. Is that cool? And you know what? You don't have to get washed about. You, there's what's crazy. You don't have to. You you don't have to get washed up with regard to anything today. Jericho march right there. Come on, seven times. I'm thinking we ought to do seven seven laps. Come on now. Here's what's crazy about this, and I don't know if this blesses you or not, but this is how you can, again, we walk in this assurance of salvation, is that you don't have to get washed about anything today that pertains to tomorrow. That's kind of that's amazing, right? That you, you don't even have to think about what's going to come up tomorrow. What we're doing is we're just yielding to His voice, and He's inscribing stuff on our heart today. Inscribing instruction and wisdom and correction and adjustments and washing 
Some of us this morning, he was washing some stuff out of our identity because we've been listening to rejection. We've been listening to inferiority. And maybe there's reason for that. Maybe there's testimonies out of our history or out of a mistake or out of our past that's been kind of, you know, inscribing itself on our comprehension uh, with regard to inferiority or rejection, right? And the Lord's just saying, uh, I trump all that. I'm, I'm, I'm the boss of all of that. I trump all of that. I have given you a brand new identity. Let me wash that out of you. Let me wash that inferiority out of you. Let me wash that rejection out of you. Let me just wash that out of you. And so, you know, we just yield to that. We just agree. Lord, yeah, do that in our hearts this morning. Yeah? Let's do it a little bit right now. Yeah, Lord, just do that in our hearts this morning. We just allow, we allow your word to wash us. We allow your identity to reframe who we are. We allow what you've said over us and what you say about us to reframe how we see ourselves, Lord. We yield to the, to the inscribing, the inscribing. Once you wrote on tablets of stone, but today you're writing on our hearts. You're inscribing on our comprehension who we are, what you've called us to. The supreme life, the superior life you've ordained for us. And we allow that in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on, give him a thank offering this morning. Here's something out of Colossians chapter 1 on this, if, uh, if I can read this and not belabor this too much. But out of Colossians 1.21, even though you were distant from him, this is out of the by the way, this is out of the Passion. Did we, did we have it in the Passion? Did you find it? So you, you have the NIV? Okay, so we have the NIV on the screens. Uh, I'm going to read it out of the Passion. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so you would dwell in his presence. And now there's nothing between you and Father God, for He sees you as holy, flawless, and restored, if indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon. You like that? So it goes back, even, even here as he's writing to the Colossians, he ties some of this back to continuing on, being holy eyes. So he marks you as perfect. He presents you as perfect. He, he goes all the way to the end, and then he comes back to 2018, but he's saying he wants you to continue to be firm in your faith, continue to be holyized, continue in the doctrine of sanctification, allowing the Lord to wash you, allowing him to inscribe on your heart, allowing him to direct your path, allowing him to lead you, listening well. Yeah? Listening well. I think it's easy to, uh, 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 it's easy to, to kind of shut him out. Anybody ever done that? And just, you know, argue enough with the Spirit, argue enough, uh, especially uh, if we see other Christians doing something that we want to do, but yet the voice of the Lord is telling us not to do it then uh, we get into a big argument with the Spirit. Right? Give my car, what are you talking about? Who else has given their car? 
whatever the Holy Spirit might be leading you to do, any instruction, uh, if you can find another Christian who's not following that instruction, wow, you can work up a good argument and dismiss the Holy Spirit who's trying to lead you in to something really rich for you, something really special for you. Amen? And uh, so we want to run to that. We want to run after that and not run from it. Let's pick it up. Let's go on. Uh, If I can find where we're at. Can I find where we're at? Verse 19. Are we okay? Where are we at? Verse 19. Uh, You know, uh, by the way, verse 19 ended this way. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Can I throw something in right there? Inferring your sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary either. Now, I know the text, the text is where your sins and iniquities, your misses and iniquities have been forgiven, then there's no longer need for another additional or further sacrifice. And he's retur- referring to the Mosaic system. He's referring to daily they were offering these sacrifices, right? So that's what he's referring to. But, but I want I I to just, just speak to your heart in today's context inferring, also inferring, that your sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary either. In other words, once you, once you, bring, once you bring a right response to Father, or the, once you bring a right response to the inscribing of the washing or instruction, or once you bring a corrective response to Father with, with yeah, you're right, and and I'm going to set that aside, or, yeah, I think I'll go your way, or, okay. You know, once we bring a right that is a, a yielded, a, a, a submitted, a pliable, a soft heart to Father, then uh, you, no crawling in glass is required. I mean, you know, let, let's move on from that place with joy, with gladness, with boldness in the Lord. Let, let's continue, Right? And I'm, I'm saying that because I know some of us even uh, were like, uh, uh, this, this is a form of sacrifice or a form of uh, uh, maybe crawling on glass, you know, uh, inappropriate sacrifice. But a form of it is like, uh, uh, you feel like, you know, you can't pray for anybody for a, a good week or something, right? Somebody needs prayer, and, well, I'm not worthy. Well, why aren't you worthy? Well, this week I really slipped up a couple times. Oh, so you're, so you're not worthy. Yeah. Well, welcome to the club. Just get up here and pray, would you please? Oh, oh probably you're the only non-worthy one in the building, by the way. I mean, so, so, you know, what do we have to do to qualify ourselves? Well, I probably, I don't know. I got to read, you know, I probably have to sing with Billy Graham just as I am without one plea. That thy blood was, uh, you know, 50,000. It's like the rosary at the Catholic Church or something. I mean, you know, how many times have we got to say Hail Mary? Or well, I mean, I. Okay, I'm messing with you now, but I don't even know what I'm talking about now. But, but the idea is the moment you respond in tenderness to the Lord, uh, uh, come on, jump back in. Get up and, get up and pray for people and, and give the enemy a black eye. Let's go, right? Give the, keep your heart washed. See that He's presented you perfect 
before Father already, flawless, this is how he sees you, justified means just as if you've never sinned, and start living that way again. Well, uh, well how, how long will it take then for me to start living that way again? About three seconds, right? Father, that was really dumb, and I'm not going to do that again. Uh, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. Okay, I was five seconds, all right? Then get up and run. Get up and go. Get up and live just as if you've never, ever sinned. That means you're to live like a son of God. You're to, this is how we don't want to. If you linger too long in this muck, you're going you're gonna to tell them, you're, you're going to tell the enemy that you aren't who you are. Right? So, so don't linger long. Come on. Let's say don't linger long on that one. Trying to figure out where to go next. People are leaving by the droves as we do. Babies are running. We got seven laps around the building. It's the worst sermon we ever heard. Lord, help us. I'm going to sing just as I am with that one plea in a minute. Where's Billy Graham when you need him? Come on. Come on back now, Billy. All right, where are we going? I was, I was going to share with you I, what I had on my, my heart next was just to talk about, you know, this. Uh, some of these scriptures give, give place to uh, some of these scriptures in the New Testament give place to universalism and, uh, and people uh, thinking that, that uh, because the payment of Jesus has been sufficient for all of humanity, that all of humanity are saved. And whether they know it or not, they're saved because the payment was sufficient for all humanity. And so I, I just want to throw out at you this morning, just so we're, we're clear on some of this, that, that though no other sacrifice needs to ever be made, that though his sacrifice was sufficient and sufficient for all to be saved, we still cannot partake of salvation unless we come to him through Father. And that, that what he's writing here, what, he, what he's writing here, it, it still pertains to those who come into faith. And let me read to you a little portion here real quick, and then we'll, we'll jump into my next thought. Uh, this is out of 2 Corinthians 3.13. And here, it's very interesting, it's so appropriate, because here he's talking about the Mosaic system again, and he's talking about the tabernacle, he's talking about the law, he's talking about the Ten Commandments again, and, uh, and yet he, and, and even about the veil in the tabernacle, but he says something that's interesting, and again it talks about, you know, the power of coming to Jesus, that it, uh, or, or to Father through Jesus. Here's what he says. 2 Corinthians 3.13, I think we have it on the screens. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to present the, prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. That is his, his, the glory of God. So Moses would go into the tent of meeting. He would stand at the veil. Uh, he would talk with God, and the voice of God would come off of the mercy seat through the veil. And when he would leave that conversation, his face would glow. 
His face was glowing when he came off the mount after 40 days. So he would experience this, this glow. And so he would veil his face. And it says that, uh, that he would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing what, the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For, the, for to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But wherever or whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or there is liberty. Now it's interesting uh, he even talks about in this passage that that veil we've been talking about in the tabernacle, that four-inch thick veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, that that veil was Christ, that that veil was Jesus. So he is liberty, he is freedom, he's the opening of our eyes, he's our approach to Father, and though he paid it all and though all can be saved, only those who come through him have this appeal to God. And partake of salvation. Are you with me on that? Is that all right? Let's pick it up again in uh, at verse 19, and then we'll finish out this portion. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Huge symbolism tied in with the tabernacle. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. That word profess, by the way, it's that... It's that word uh, homo logo, or it's drawn to that. It is the logos. It's, it's as we have a hope that says the same thing that God has been saying. Saying the same thing that God has been saying in the word as we have a hope that is knit to that, that he's been declaring, that he's been showing us. Let us hold fast to that unswervingly for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur incite or sharpen, uh, comes out of the Greek, how we may spur, incite, or sharpen one another toward love and good deeds. And by the way, the word uh, for love in the Greek there is not phileo. It's not one of the other Greek words. It's agape, unconditional, that we may, that we may be unconditional in our love to one another. So let us spur. So we got this family, right? Uh, we had four children in the family. Uh, and mom was probably better than dad at kind of spurring, provoking, sharpening them to love one another, right? And uh, this, is part of, this is part of what God calls us to. This is part of why we need to exist in families, why we need to be connected to local assemblies is because we're to spur, we're to incite, we're to sharpen, we're to, we're to provoke one another toward agape action, agape behavior, unconditional love, and then good deeds, right? So uh, this is why we want to fellowship. We want to come to church early and leave late. 
We want to get involved in connect groups. We want to open our home. We want to have breakfast on a Saturday. We want to, we want to uh, meet with one another for coffee. We want to do this stuff. Why do we want to do this stuff? Because this is part of what we're called to in family. This is part of what makes us rich. This is what, and this is how we build one another up. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging, not giving up meeting together. Now for them, there was a relevance there of persecution. Remember we've talked about that? There was a huge temptation not to go to the Christian gatherings. Why? Persecution was increasing greatly. Some of them were being tempted to go back to the synagogue and avoid Christian gatherings completely. Think about today how easy it would be for Chinese Christians. We've heard about the millions of Christians in China who've had radical persecution for years since 1948. It's been going on. It's been radical. It's been harmful and hurtful. They've had property seized. They've, had, they've lost families. They've lost. But yet there's this compelling within them. They have to gather with saints. So they got underground meetings, they got meetings in basements, they got meetings in attics, they got meetings out in the fields, they got, you know, they, they, they sneak away to get together. Christians in America are sneaking away from church. Christians in China are sneaking away to get together. Why? Because they, they understand the value of the house of God, the people of God, the family of God. They understand this is rich. This is rich. Paul prayed this prayer for the Ephesians in chapter 1. I pray that you will come to know the inheritance you have in the saints. There's a vast and a rich inheritance we have in the saints in one another. Don't look at me like that cow looking at a new gate. It's true. Come on. And then he says, all the more, encourage one another in all of this, all the more as you see the day approaching. For them, for them, the day approaching was the dawning of a brand new age. Errantly, my opinion, everybody say his opinion. Thank you. Errantly, we call these the last days. But these are not the last days, these are new days. The Holy Spirit was poured out in the last days. How many of you know that? Acts chapter 2, Peter got up and he said, this is the last days. Now, it was right before the temple was destroyed. The sacrificial system was removed. The whole mosaic system was, was taken off of the earth. Those were the last days. The last days of the mosaic period, he said, in the last, this is Joel, prophet Joel chapter 2, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Then, right before the whole mosaic system collapses and the temple is torn down, hasn't been rebuilt, the temple's torn down, the whole system collapses, right before that happens, Peter stands up, the Holy Spirit's poured out on the new believers, which are now called the church, the ecclesia, the called out of God, and he says, this is the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, these are the last days. So what... What he's talking about here in A.D. 64 is we're almost at the end of this age. This is like as dark as it's going to get. 
the light is about to burst forth on humanity and on the earth, and there's a brand new day starting. So continue to get together all the more as, as the day approaches. And he calls what we live in the day. Why? Because it's so much brighter than what they lived in. You don't believe me, do you? Hebrews 1, he already talked about it, 1-1. One, one. We're going to close with this. Let the band come, please. First closing. Hebrews 1-1. One, one. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in so many portions in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. Hebrews 9-25. Verse 26. Let's go to 26. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested. They were living in the last days. They were living in the consummation of the ages. We're living in the brightest time that's ever been. Ephesians 1.9. He made known the mystery of his will according to the kind intention that he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of times. That is... The summing up of all things in Christ. 1 Peter 1.20 For he is foreknown, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Are you there? What happened? What happened? 1 Peter 1.20 There it is. Glory. 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment for the purpose of prayer. Let's stand. 1 Peter 4, 7. Ah, we are living in the most glorious period that's ever been. We're living in a period of fulfillment. The kingdom is growing. The kingdom is growing in your heart. Victories are bursting out in you and before you. The glory of the Lord goes before you and is your rear guard. These are glorious days. And he's inscribing wisdom from above. How to aim your arrow better. How to hit the bullseye every time. He's inscribing that kind of wisdom on your heart on your comprehension. <laughs> oh my goodness. How could it be better? Well, I'll tell you how it could be better. Tomorrow will be better because we go from glory to glory and we go from faith to faith. So the enemy comes and the enemy says, well, this won't last long. And, and you just step, step on him, put him under your foot and just say, no, that's a lie. I'm going from glory to glory and from faith to faith. Now, why did God, I don't know why God puts you in this generation. I don't know why God put me in this generation, the most privileged generation on the planet, the most privileged time on the planet, the most privileged people on the planet. I don't know why God chose us, but I know, I know that with this, I can reflect His glory. I know I can let His light shine out. I know that I can, I know that I can be a brilliant star for Him. Daniel says that in the last days, there are going to be those that shine like stars. Yeah? And if He launched that in the last days of that time, 
then how much more will he be bringing forth? And he says, those who know their God in a season will do exploits. We're exploit doers. We're glory showers. We're living in a day of glory. Father, we just thank you that, that even as we sing this song this morning, as we close this morning, we just thank you that we are one with you, that Jesus has brought us in, that he has presented us perfect before you, restored, flawless, righteous, justified, that we live as sons of God, that we partake of the glory of God, and that you are holyizing us, you're sanctifying us, that anything today that needs to be washed, adjusted, wrong thinking, wrong thoughts, inferiority, negativity, doubt, unbelief, fear, sin, missing the mark, you're holyizing us, you're washing it right out of us. You're washing it right out of us. And you're transcribing, you're inscribing, you're something richer, something better on our comprehension. We rejoice in it. We say the enemy has no authority over us, that he's kicked out, put under our feet. We rejoice in the authority you've given us because we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said,